whatever you're experiencing is probably a symptom of something else. So like, you got to ask those questions. You got to dig deeper. Well, why is that happening? But I don't understand. Tell me more. I'm sorry. I have to ask this next question. So to the listeners, I would say you're probably a problem solver if you find yourself asking like a thousand questions. It's the first step. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Seven Figure Flipping is on a mission to help serious investors do more deals, make more money, work fewer hours, and get their lives back. Here's your host, Seven Figure Flipping CEO, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and we are going down the series of the entrepreneurial journey. So talk to Gina Wickman. He gave that those six entrepreneurial traits and we're going through them one by one now and talking to different board of directors for Seven Figure Flipping. And what I did was I, I reached out to each one of them and said, you know what, there's one of these six traits that I feel like is is you're you're very, very strong in. So will you come on the podcast and share that trait? And remember, these traits are things that we are just like deeply rooted in us. They're not necessarily something that you can, you can learn or grow or, or like they, you can build on them, but they're, they're deep inside of us and they are, they're who we are. And that's, that's what Gino is, was saying to me on the podcast that we did is this is something that you're kind of born with and, and you're building on your whole life. So it's interesting because each one of these folks that I'm bringing on have all six of these traits. So I don't think one is extremely stronger than another, but I, every, when I read that, I could point to each one of them and pick one that they just fit. And so today we've got Becca Shea on the podcast and we're going to be talking about problem solving. So the third trait that, that Gino talks about is problem solving, which this is one of my favorites. So I'm really excited to talk about it today. So welcome Becca, master problem solver. Hey, I'm pretty excited that you picked me for this trait. We confirmed before this recording that it wasn't a fluke, that you really do believe it. So <laughs> <laughs> she said, why? Why would, why would you bring me on for this one? I was like, man, I'm like in an interview. She's, <laughs> she's like maybe solving a problem that she has right now of why she get picked for this one. So, um, so I want to read, I want to do what I did for the other ones. I'm going to read the first paragraph of his book about uh, this third trait. So it says the third essential trait problem solver. And I'll read it to you guys so you can hear kind of his definition in the background of what he thinks. And then we'll kind of dig into that. Sound good, Becca? Yeah, do it. Okay, great. So he, Gino said, being a problem solver is a, is as much about new ideas, innovation, and creating things as it is about dealing with barriers, obstacles, and setbacks. A problem solver is an optimist by nature. You see solutions to everything, whether it's a product or service you create to fill a need you saw, or a setback you experience when your product fails and you reinvent it. Your mind always sees solutions. A problem solver is always figuring out how to make something smarter, faster, less expensive, better, or higher quality. They're innovators and testers who love trial and error. When they hit a brick wall, they figure out how to go over it, around it, or through it. So my question I'm going to ask you that I've asked everybody else is, it, does that sound like you? And if so, yeah, why? For sure. Well, you know what? As you're reading that, I was listening and um, the, the always sees solutions, right? I mean, that is me, an eternal optimist. And like any problem is just something to be solved. We just, exactly, we just need to get through it. Like what, what is the solution here? Um, I don't dwell. I often joke that like I live so far in the future, it's ridiculous. Like, Whatever's in front of me today is just, it's just something between me and the future, but I'm, I'm already there, whatever is built for me. And um, I was actually talking to Terry Berger, who will be on this podcast, and this week, and uh, we were joking about how we're both refiners. Like, I'm, I'm an efficiency junkie. <laughs> like, 
I love accountability. I love logistics. But the thing that I really love is to take uh, something and just make it so much better. So yeah, for sure. That definitely resonated. Awesome. So we both have an engineering background, right? So what, what stood out to me when I was reading this is when I think about this, I, I love, I absolutely love problems, love puzzles, love um, games. I love all that stuff. And it reminded me a lot of you when I was reading it because this, this area of um, always figuring things out, right? It's, uh, you're, we're constantly trying to say like, why is this? What, what is this? How does this work? What's happening? Why, 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 why all the time, right? And it's about seeing and not necessarily like big problems or issues, but it's always finding efficiencies, like you said, like systems, process, procedures, things like that. So uh, let's talk about some of your experiences in the past. Like what, uh, if maybe you have a story of a problem that you had to solve in the past and obviously being in the military, I have to solve problems on a regular basis yeah. as a Navy guy. And that's pretty much, I don't know, it's life in general to me seems like just one big problem <laughs> that I have to solve, right? It's got constantly not one big to... problem, but... <laughs> So talk, talk about some of the times in your, um, I don't know, in your journey of, of the last year, two years, three years, 10 years, whatever, what comes to mind when you think about some problems that you've solved? Well, it's interesting because this is, you know, we're talking in the context of being an entrepreneur, right? An entrepreneurial. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is actually my last project when I was um, working in corporate America. I was an energy efficiency engineer doing mechanical engineering on like lighting and, you know, if you change on a hundred watt bulb with a compact, uh, compact person with an led, like if you did that a thousand times over, you would save people a ton of money on their utility bills. Right? So that was the company that I worked for. And then we would do this on a mass scale at like VA hospitals and a lot of federal bases. And I remember the, the last project that we ran, it was the biggest one we had ever done. Most complicated and a logistical nightmare. <laughs> like, this project was, I think it was like a $120 million project. It was spread out over four states. It was eight VA hospitals. We have these teams of engineers that are used to working on like one base, right? Or like two bases. And uh, I remember coming into it and being, I was, I was a senior engineer at the time, but I wasn't like the most senior engineer. But, but within probably a month of starting this, it, it felt to me like all the organization of, okay, who's going where? Who's going to do which audit? How are we going to get the results back? What does the timeline look like in order to get this accomplished? Oh, by the way, we have six months to fully develop all the engineering on this. And um, just, I remember I, I built these like Gantt charts and spreadsheets. You know, I love spreadsheets. I'm an engineer. <laughs> I mean, I had it all mapped out, basically starting with the, the end goal. Like we, this needs to be done in six months. Here's what our normal process looks like. Now, how do we scale that up for this crazy project? So that is probably the, the most standout to me is that even though I wasn't probably, I didn't have the title to do that work. It just naturally fell in my wheelhouse. And by the way, nobody else was doing it well. So I was, I took, <laughs> took control of it. So yeah, that's, yeah. The control freak side is probably another uh, topic or another trait, right? It's is a, that in the book? Control well, freak? Driven, driven is one of the traits. And I wonder if that's a lot of what, what it is. It's like, if nobody's going to take charge, I'm going to take charge. Yeah. You know, because I think that's the driven side and maybe the visionary side where you see uh, like further in the future. But I think this, this kind of problem solving trait, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I don't know what's, what it is about different entrepreneurs or, or myself, but we, it, it, like if somebody shares something with you and I, I go back to kind of like when my wife talks to me, right. Mm -hmm. And she's just sharing, she's probably just venting to me. 
but I'm trying to find the problem and solve something. So a lot of people say that's like, that's what men do, right? And men are always trying to like help or do something. But I think it's really more of this entrepreneurial side of things like the the because some people might just go, oh, that sucks. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, okay, how do we figure this out? Like, what can I do? I need to do something to fix this, right? And you had a bad day, like, how can we solve it? And she, she hates that. Absolutely hates it. And I cannot help myself. I have to physically like restrain myself. You, you mentioned that because I did when I was in that corporate job, I got tapped for this leadership uh, program and they gave you this like full on assessment. I mean, it was like an all day thing that you had to do to, to give you feedback on your personality and what you're good at and what you need help with. And I remember what stood out on mine was like, they, they basically said like, do not solve people's problems for them. You need to empower them to solve them. And I was like, but I know the answer. Can't I just give it to them? You had a bad day. Go for a run. That releases endorphins, okay? Just go. <laughs> yep. So it's a challenge, right? And I think, th I think that's a big challenge when you're an entrepreneur and starting to grow your company because you're so used to solving the problems and not, not even actually thinking about what you're doing. So you're not thinking about... Um, like, what did I say? What did I do? How did I do it? Any of these things. And I remember when I was starting my company, um, I had to start documenting what I was doing so I could help hand it off to somebody else. Right. And then, like you said, not solve their problems for them. Let them make a mistake too. That's one of the hardest things, like having restraint, letting somebody make mistakes. Uh, being a, an instructor pilot, I, I, I relate a lot of this stuff back to that because the students try to kill me on a regular basis in the airplane, like nonstop, pretty much every day. And, but you've got to let them go to a certain place and think about it for, for those of you guys, obviously there's probably, I don't know, maybe there's one or two instructor pilots listening, but for most of you have kids, right? Yeah. And when your kid is learning how to walk or learning how to ride a bike or doing all these things, it, all this stuff is happening in my life right now. And we're not there to like grab them every time they fall down when they're learning how to walk, right? They're, they're, you're letting them go. You're letting them do it. And you're giving them a little bit more more rope each time. And I think it's the same with your staff and your employees and with these students. So I can't, I can't like fix their problem as long as it's safe. Obviously, if your kid was walking on the roof, you would be a lot, you know, in a lot different place. So when we're closer to the ground with the students, my hands are a lot closer to the controls. And when we're up in the air and I know that I, there's really nothing that they can do uh, at that point uh, other than pull the ejection seat handle, which would be a disaster. Um, but the, the kids, the same thing. So your staff, when you're doing that, you just got to let them make some mistakes and, and not try to solve other problems. And we talked about this recently. If, if I give you the 90% solution, but, mm -hmm. you, but it's, not the, it's not the decision that you would have made or the, the, the path you would have taken as an employee, um, you'll do it, but you probably will do half the job that you would if it was your decision and your plan. But if your plan is the 60 or 70% solution, but you're 100% and all in on it, the results are probably better that way. So yeah. as, a, as an owner and an employer, sometimes it's just, you guys got really got to think about that. So the problem solving aspect is, is massive in business. And like you said, not solving other people's problems, it's really hard to try to like. That's probably one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs is like when you're a one man show or a two man show, it's cool. You can solve all the problems, man. But when you have to hire people, yeah. then, then the problem to solve becomes you, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you know, I know we'll talk a little bit about the negative side, but the problem solving for me doesn't even, and this isn't negative actually, but problem solving for me doesn't even just mean externally. Like I do a lot of internal problem solving too, a lot of self-reflection and self-awareness and like, why am I acting like that? What's going on here? What's causing this? Which is really annoying for people around me who are not self-reflective. 
but it, it, I don't think it's not something you can turn on and turn off. I think that's probably what Gino is getting to is that like, it's inherent to who you are. And if you feel called to, to do this stuff, like look, see what other problems you can solve. Well, so I, I love to watch, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I love to watch Shark Tank. It's one mm -hmm. of my favorite shows to watch because I see these entrepreneurs come in with these incredible ideas and some with just the, probably the worst ideas in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but they're, they're solving a problem. They're creating something that, that they see an issue and they solve a problem. And I really think that that's what being an entrepreneur, you're really, you're putting yourself out there. This is like the 1% of the people who are willing to take all the risks. They're, they see the future. They're, they're problem solving on a regular basis. They're, they're trying to jump out there and take that risk to jump into a marketplace of the unknown. A lot of people say that, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the exact quote, but an entrepreneur is somebody who works like 80 hours a week to, so they don't work. To avoid for, working 40. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, for me, I, I work, I, I work harder for myself for in the beginning, work harder for less pay than I was making doing something else for somebody. And it was a risk that I was willing to take, right. To, to do the thing that I love to do. And right now, the way that I look at everything that I do right now is the problem solving aspect is the most important thing in the way that I feel, because the bigger problems you can solve, the bigger the impact that you can make on society, on other people, on your staff. And those big problems are why we get paid the potential to make bigger money. And the smaller problems, just like solving a small problem might create something, but solving a really big problem is, is kind of the way I think. Like, when I, my job in the company right now is to solve the biggest problems that we have, mm -hmm. like the really tough stuff, the things that the relationships, the, uh, you know, getting in the right room with the right person to talk about some of the, the big lenders, the, how do we, when, when a deal is blowing up, they usually call me yeah. and say, Hey, let's lean on some of your experience. What should we do? And then it's like, oh, okay, good. Let's, let's talk about what have you, have you done this? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, give me all the information. And yeah. it, it the number of wholesale deals that like the day before that I got pulled into that was like, okay, this just happened and this just happened and this just happened. The deal is dead. Oh no, it is not dead. <laughs> yeah. Let's lay it all out on the table. Yeah. So, I mean, when we look at the, when we look at the being an entrepreneur, I think we've said, okay, it's pretty obvious. You've got to be able to solve problems, right? That's step one. And so we've defined that now taking it to the real estate side, like you're talking about, the biggest deals that we can do, the ones that make the most money, the biggest problems, those are usually the ones that, that have like wound 10 different ways with different errors and then like last minute they can't make it to closing and- the Title issue comes up or- Yep, and, and it's at the last minute, we gotta put it all together to save that big deal, right? And the bigger the deal, the bigger the problem, the, the bigger the return, right? So that's kind of why we get thrown into that. If the reward was like $1,000 to solve, to go track down 15 heirs to sign a deed and have to go do this. And I mean, we just wouldn't spend our time and unwind that stuff. So I think the, the bigger the problems, I always see there's huge returns on these big problems. So that's why we're usually going after like these multiple layers of distress, right? So we have these mm -hmm. kind of overlaps that we we're going to have to come up with solution. And when we can come with, with a creative solution for these deals, then that's how we make money. So I think in the distress space that we're in, and um, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on right now with uh, that, that I wasn't necessarily going to dive into, but with the economy and everything that's happening right now, and mm -hmm. people are like, there's, there's a mentality of that there is a problem, right? And so mm -hmm. The way that we think and the mindset that we have through all this, so somebody who's not an entrepreneur, who's not, doesn't have these six traits, 
is probably running away going, oh my gosh, I'm scared. I'm just going to go back to my job. Yeah. Hunker down, go back to my job. I'm going to go back to certainty, right? I don't like this risk. It feels uncomfortable. I don't know how to solve this problem. I'm not interested in this problem. Whereas some of the other ones of us are going, okay, this is just another problem that I have to solve. What can we do? And just gather the information as we go and start making a decision. I go back to like this, this time when I was, um, getting my helicopter aircraft commander. So when you, when you fly helicopters in the military, you, you're a second pilot in the beginning. So you get your wings, you go learn how to fly the big helicopters. For me, it was the 60, any airplane. And then you sit basically like different aircraft, call it different seats. So you might sit left seat or right seat, but you're the, you're the co-pilot basically. And then same thing on the airline. So if you're ever flying Southwest, there's a guy with three stripes and a guy with four. The guy with four is the captain. He signs for the plane. He makes the decisions. When problems come up, he does it. There's a co-pilot. It's called a, um, oh, what do they call it in the airlines? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> um, so they got three stripes. These guys are, I'll remember in a minute. But they, um, they are the co-pilot of the airplane, basically. So uh, they are doing a, they're learning how to become the captain. They're kind of like moving up. So what we did was we'd sit down in helicopter aircraft commander boards where these, the commanding officer and the senior uh, uh, department heads would ask you questions. And the question would be, okay, you're flying a, uh, you're just flying a day contact training flight and you get a call that there's, there's a, uh, uh, airplane that went down over, uh, over the mountains and you need to go rescue them on a search and rescue mission. What are you going to do? And you just sit there and stare at them like, I don't have any information. So you should start asking questions. What, uh, how many people how, who's in my aircraft? What, what's the weather like? What's the time of day? How much fuel do I have? Um, what is my qualifications? Do are uh, does the commanding officer know that we're doing that? Like all of these different things, like what radios do I have? What's the, what's, what's the seniority of my crew? Um, what, what equipment do I have on board? And you, I just ask questions until they're finally like solve the problem. It's like, stop asking questions. Yeah, but we, right. I gather all this information to make the best decision that I possibly can, because there's probably a catch. Like they have a scenario and they're just waiting for me to try to get all the information. So maybe the weather's bad over the mountains and I can't fly over there. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we're not qualified to do this mission. Maybe there's somebody in my aircraft that their qual is down. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't have the right equipment that I need to, to rescue this person. So they're trying to catch, but you gather all this information, then you make the best decision that you can and you stand by it. So I think it's the same thing in business and the same thing with what's going on right now, frankly, is like, I'm just gathering information as we go. Things yeah. change, things adjust, the faster they change, I just need to adapt and overcome that stuff. So adaptability and flexibility is one of the uh, crew resource management tools that we use in the military. And I think it's just like this. That's the problem solving aspect is being able to be adaptive and flexible yeah. in, in business. And what, and what you said there actually is it's really interesting because um, it, problem solving starts with questions starts, I mean, anyone who's ever met me in the group knows that I will sit down with you and I will ask you 9,000 questions before we talk about anything of substance. Because if you don't understand the context and the situation of what's happening, then number one, you can probably go in the wrong direction. Or number two, you won't effectively solve the problem. And we talk about this all the time with, um, with EOS, right? Getting to the root cause of an issue, the five levels of why, like, whatever you're experiencing is probably a symptom of something else. So like, you got to ask those questions. You got to dig deeper. Well, why is that happening? Well, you know, just like you did in that situation. And I mean, you can probably think of like 20 times where I've annoyed the crap out of you with why questions (laughs) and just like, but I don't understand. Tell me more. I'm sorry. I have to ask this next question. So to the listeners, I would say you're probably a problem solver. If you find yourself asking like a thousand questions, because it's, it's the first step. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've seen you at the mastermind groups where you're at, we're like having dinner with somebody and you're just like, tell me about your life. What's going on? <laughs> and because the same thing happens to me. They'll ask me, okay, so should I, like, how many postcards should I send out? Wait, what? Like th- th- that's not even close to enough information for me to even attempt to answer your question. And that that honestly, like that's why I think it's so important when you jump into a group like this, like a mastermind group for a year and you get to know the people and you understand what their system is and what they like, like what they're good at, what their goals are. I mean, you really have to say like, do you want to rehab houses? Do you want to wholesale houses? What does yeah. that look like? What's your plan? What kind of business do you want to start? And it really builds on itself. So I know we've been talking a lot about this uh, and Gino and I talked a lot about this 10-year vision, right? You have this 10-year mm-hmm. business that you're building. And a lot of the uncertainty and, scare and, and, and fear and, and concern right now is that we're looking at this micro climate. Yeah. Right? What's going to happen tomorrow? Macro What's going to happen climate. next week? Yeah. It doesn't really matter because we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. We have to zoom out on our business too and say, what are we, what are we trying to do here? Like if, if it's just a side hustle and you're trying to make a little bit of money, that's fine. That's one thing. But if you're actually trying to start a business and build a business and, and this is what you want to do, like this is what I do for a living. Like this is what I do full time. This is my, yeah. my job. This is my passion. This is, this is what I hope to build on and that my kids can be proud of in the future that we've created something. We're changing people's lives. So like our motto of our company is changing, house, changing lives one house at a time. So for me, like we're changing the lives of the people that we work with. We're changing the lives of the buyers that are making money from the houses the, the wholes- like that we wholesale to. All of my staff, all of the people around me and everybody that listens to this podcast, like all of these different things that we're doing is about making an impact on others. And so all, like that 10-year that journey that like looking further out is what you have to find out. There's a lot of questions that have to be asked to be able to even answer yeah. sometimes the most simple question that people think is, is a really easy answer to get, but you need more information. And like I, now that we dig into it, I think the biggest thing of problem solving is gathering all of that information to make the best decision possible. And a lot of times it's just, we don't even, like the human brain is so advanced that when we're driving down the road, it's processing yeah. so much information that you don't even think about. And mm-hmm. so when the problems get bigger, you actually have to be intentional and think about what you're doing, the information yeah. that you're gathering. What do I need? Do I have enough information? Spot? Yeah, blind spots. What decisions can we make? And are they the best, the best path for the company and the best path for the team and, and everybody else? Well, you know, what's interesting is I, the conversation I found myself having quite often with people who want to get into real estate investing is um, it, to this idea of gathering more information, right? Is I, I often, I don't think people really think through, there's so many ways to invest in real estate, right? Like you could do notes, wholesaling, rehabbing, uh, rentals, there's just so many ways, right? And and that the problem solving and that self-reflection part of it, I, I, I've been thought, finding myself having this conversation with people about like, who are you at your core? And then align your 10-year vision with who you are. Don't try to try on somebody else's 10-year vision. And like, to me, that's like the first problem you have to solve when you start this journey is, are you, are you naturally good at sales? Do you love talking to people? Is that like the art of the deal, the thrill of the kill? Like, is that the thing that motivates you in the morning? Then let's talk about your real estate, your 10-year real estate goal in light of that thing, right? And that's, that's the beginning of the problem solving for me, I, especially within the mastermind. We're not even in the mastermind, just in my local real estate community. So like, do you love project management? Do you love logistics? Does that make you happy? Like building things and uh, that really the project manager side, hey, then maybe rehabbing is the way for you. Do you love financial modeling 
and forecasting things and stuff than maybe notes investing or rentals. Like, so the problem solving really starts even when you're starting this entrepreneurial journey, because that's what we're talking about, right? Like, are you an entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial leap? Like, first figure out who you are and then forecast, like you said, that 10-year vision and then build around that. That's the first problem to solve. Who are you and what do you want? Yeah, I, I agree with that. When I when we were making the videos for our runway group and we put all those videos together, that's when I really had to sit down and say, what's step one of all this? Like, if I had to go back five years, what, how could I speed it up? What is step one? And step one really was about kind of finding your why and understanding who you are. Because who you are is very, very important that, that I found. Like, I, fortunately, I, I started rehabbing houses. That's what I thought I was going to be. I was going to be a flipper. And when we got into the wholesaling side of the business, I actually really enjoyed that because it was, I, I think it was the problem solving. Like, there's, mm -hmm. there's just way more problems that come with that. And building the, the art of the deal, you like the thrill of the kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I like, lock that up. I like the numbers. I like the, I like all the systems and processes. I like tweaking the dials. And I just feel like there was a lot more dials in the wholesaling business yeah, than it was in the flipping sure. side. And it, it, it still is not about the houses. Uh, at the beginning, I thought I liked that, but I don't really care about that. I care a lot more about my staff and the people that, and the process and the tweaking the dials than I do about the house. I feel like it could be any widget and it would make me happy. And so it just happens to be real estate that we're in. That, that Whereas I love houses and project management. Exactly. So now I'm having this conversation from this hindsight perspective of, of like, man, that was the thing that I loved and I aligned with. Uh, and for you, I think it became apparent pretty quickly, right? That, that you were more towards the wholesaling, the sales, the deal like side of things. So I also think you can be an entrepreneur, but they, we don't all look the same in what yep. we choose. The path we choose to go down for our 10 year vision doesn't look the same. However, just like Gino says, we all share these commonalities. Totally. Totally. I mean, we could have somebody who absolutely loves uh, their cupcake, cupcake shop or I mean, it'd be anything. Like that's why I love this series because we're not just talking about real estate. We're talking about who you are, like you, mm -hmm. like I'm talking to you. If you're listening, you, who are you? And like, what do you love and what are you good at? And do you uh, resonate with these, these traits? Do you really like them? And you'll find your way. Like, I don't think you have to be like a rock star status in any of these uh, to, to really have to be this incredible yeah. entrepreneur. Well, I do well, think there's different stages that, um, of those entrepreneurs, like levels. Something that, that really stuck with me in like a funny way, but it, it resonates here too. We had that Dash 2 event back in the fall where we talked about training and hiring a COO for, you know, your CEO and you want to train and hire COO. And we were talking about people's personalities. <laughs> and at one point I remember Matt White saying like, your personality, so like even in this case, you might be an entrepreneur, but he said, this person might have the perfect personality for this thing. But what you don't know is like, are they going to be exceptional at running your business or at running cocaine? <laughs> like, yep. Where does their passion lie? And I, I think it's the same thing for entrepreneurs. When you can align these entrepreneurial traits with your passion and your why, <laughs> good things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, uh, I, I thought it was hilarious the way that he put that. Like you can't, you don't under, you don't know if they're a criminal or if they're a really good person. It just says who they are. Like yeah. they, I'll tell you that probably the best criminal is probably a, a phenomenal entrepreneur if they just use those skills for good instead of evil. And, um, it's interesting, yeah. like Chad, Chad Lundell and I talked about that on his podcast because he was basically when he was sitting there, you know, doing those things, basically being a criminal, he was, he was saying to himself, like, I'm actually pretty good at this, like petty crime stuff that I'm doing. Why don't I use this 
I can just shift this and use my skills for good instead of evil. And it's kind of one of his kind of epiphanies and aha moments then. So I think the, I think the, you know, we talked about the, the real estate side. We talked about the uh, entrepreneurial journey. And I think there's the problem solving skill and aspect. There is a, a negative side to all these. So I'm digging into some of that. Like when we talk to you guys, I want to talk a little bit about like what, what do we have to be careful of? So I don't know if it's necessarily negative. Oh, before we move on to that, there's something else I thought about when we were talking. It's this 10-year vision. What I don't want to do is scare the listeners. Like when they start their business, they have to have a plan for 10 years from now. Like yeah. I struggled with that for a really long time. We're not saying to build out the next 10 years and, and, and plan for that because that's not the answer. It, but it's, it's understanding that you're doing something with a longer-term vision instead of a shorter-term uh, get in and get out really quick and just make yeah. money. Because I think if, you're, if it's just about making a return or making a quick buck, then you're not going to make the impact on the world and the community that you want to. Like I said, if it's a side hustle, fine. But if this is a business that you want to do, like for me, this is a business. This is a life. This is something that I'm building that I'm going to be proud of. That, by the way, we just, uh, the Inc. 5000 list, we made number seven in the state of Florida. Yeah, I'm, so buddy. Pumped. I'm so pumped about that. Like that kind of stuff. Being yeah. able to announce that to my team, like that's what it's all about. So and like we really want to be in it for, for good, not just to right. get in and get out when times get tough. And you mentioned, and, and I, we, we talked a little bit about like finding your why and what's your passion. And um, sometimes I actually, I wrote this blog post a couple of years ago and I was like, if one more person tells me to like, just follow my passion, I'm going to punch them in the face because I don't know what my passion is, right? It's like the shampoo aisle. There's just too many options. But what I did find while being on this journey is that the same things kept rising to the top. And through that, that internal problem solving and the self-reflection, I realized like, here's the things that I'm really good at. Here's the things that really light me up and make me happy. And here's the things that I tried and I don't really love so much. And again, that's, that's still problem solving, right? That reflection. And so if you're a listener just starting out on your entrepreneurial journey, I don't, finding your why is super important. Figuring out what you're good at is super important, but that shouldn't stop you from taking the first step just constantly be reflecting on it and thinking is, does this align now that I know myself a little better? <laughs> because when you're down in that entrepreneurial trench, you really get to know yourself really well, right? <laughs> like now that you know yourself a little better now is, is my why becoming clearer? Is my passion becoming clearer and doing that kind of iteration? Yeah. It, th this whole thing is a journey. So I, I think the biggest thing that you can take away from what Becca just said is just pay attention along that journey. Like you yeah. really have to pay attention to what you're enjoying and what you don't like so much. There are going to be things that you don't like that you have to do, but um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but pay attention to it, and and it, like success leaves clues is one of my favorite quotes. Like success leaves clues, so watch it as you're successful in something. What was it that you really loved, and pull that out and and be intentional about it, and then figure out yeah. what you want it to look like, and design design your business, design your life around you and what you're good at. My rule is you have to you should enjoy what you're doing seventy five percent of the time. 25% of the time, you're just going to have to do things that suck, deal with it. <laughs> like, yeah. but if you're at 75%, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And if you can raise, you know, as you get, start designing your, your business and your life, you become successful, get it up, mm -hmm. get it up to 80, get it up to 90. I don't yeah. think you'll ever be at a hundred. If we get to a hundred, that's fantastic. But I'm not there for sure. There's I don't think entrepreneurs are built to ever be at a hundred. Yeah. That's because <laughs> we're always looking for more problems to solve. Yeah, Once right? we solve one, it's like, give me the next one. So let's talk. Maybe that is some of the negative side of things. So what do you think mm -hmm. some of the things to, and I use negative loosely, just like what, we, what do we want to be concerned about when we're, um, some things maybe that you saw in 
problem solving. I mean, obviously I already talked about pissing off my wife because I'm trying to solve her problems all the time when she doesn't want me to. Um, if she would just say like, can you please solve this for me? <laughs> it would be easier to understand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That active listening and just being um, present for people, I think is a, is a downside. Um, the other thing is like just knowing when things are good enough. Like, <laughs> They don't always have to be better and better and better. Is this, is this good enough? Is this a 70 or the 80% solution? We talk about that all the time, right? Yeah. In an ideal world, this would be the perfect way this would roll out, but can we be okay if we only hit that 80%? Um, we talked about self-reflection. Sometimes that can be too much. You know, like sometimes you can go too far down that road of, you know, how do I fix this? How do I become better? Like, I think I think to the point of like a hundred percent enjoyment of your life, um, you will, I know I personally always feel like I could be doing more, like <laughs> there could be more. Right. And, um, I launched on this journey in January, this productivity journey. Again, it was a problem to be solved. Like I felt like my life had gotten out of balance and to me, balance is really important. Like being an active member of my community being an active parent, um, pursuing my personal goals and then also being the best, you know, employee or the best at my job that I can be. And, um, I, it was a problem to be solved, right? Like, all right, I only have 24 hours in the day. There are not going to be any more hours. So how do I, what are the things that are not working well? What, you know, what can I cut out? Stop going on Facebook for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes here and there. Don't get distracted. One less coffee break like cut on all that fat so that then you can be productive and have the life you want. The downside to that is that if I don't feel like I was super productive and you know, I allot myself, these are my working hours, like you have to be super productive. I will beat myself up about it later. And then it throws everything out of whack. So I don't know if that's a direct correlation to problem solving. I think that's just an entrepreneurial thing. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, the biggest issue that I see in this problem solving side is when everything's going really well, I actually break stuff to fix it. <laughs> yes. So like right now, Nate is running the company on a regular basis as my COO, for those of you who don't know, and I don't work that much in the business. So sometimes you feel when that happens, let's say you, that's all you do. So fortunately I, I took over this company, so I was busy again, right? But mm -hmm. it's easy as an entrepreneur to get bored and want to get back involved. And, and I did that for a while. What I found was every time I would get back involved in something, I'd see something, I'd try to like put my nose where it doesn't belong again. Um, I would screw it up. I would talk to the seller or talk to the buyer. I'd try to get involved and I didn't have all the information like we talked about before and I would screw it up. I would just break it so I could fix it. And a lot of times I think that's, that's what we do as entrepreneurs in this problem solving thing. Like we, we so keyed up to solve problems and when everything goes well, we're sitting here. And for me, it felt like a little bit like I had been put out to pasture. You mm -hmm. know, I was like this, I wasn't needed anymore. And we really want to feel needed. And I think that's the same thing. Yeah, with we like to be the heroes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's problem solvers like to be the heroes. So if you can do it without me, what's, what's my value? What's my worth? Right. Um, yep. That's a really good one. And honestly, I hear that all the time in our masterminds. Like that was working fine. And then I broke it because I was bored. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think we really have to be careful of that. And so go find another problem to solve, like go start another company, go do something else, go uh, like solve the problems that you're supposed to be solving. Don't solve the problems. Like Becca said, uh, uh, let other people solve those problems. Let them 
we go through their journey and don't give them the answer and start mentoring. What else can you do? How can you help in other ways? So I, I saw that a lot for me and I still see it. I'm always kind of, like you said, kind of, I need to be needed. Right. So yeah. the other thing that, you know, I, I struggle with personally is um, I don't, and I think this is hits on what you said. Like, I don't know how to be still, <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. Like I'm a problem solving junkie and maybe, even problem solving but I'll get to the end of the day and I'm like I know I shouldn't work because then that'll be in my head right before I sleep but that's something to do I'm like oh, I could watch tv like I don't know how to just relax and I'm working on it <laughs> it's a life goal so I think that's maybe one of my problems to solve at this moment you know I think you feel the same way I know a lot of people feel that way yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay, I think, I think life is a series of, of problems that are uh, put in front of us and we're, <laughs> we're, hu problem. we're humans, right? Like we're, this is what we're designed for. So if we, I mean, what else would we be doing? <laughs> I, I, I constantly, and maybe it's just the way that I think, I mean, there's plenty of people that are probably perfectly fine retiring, sitting on their couch, watching TV, mowing their grass, uh, playing golf, doing those kind of things. But um, that's why we're wired differently. That's why uh, it's just not for us. So I think it's just part of, and I'll tell you, the deeper that you go down this path, the more interesting it gets because it becomes stronger and stronger is what I found. Like I, yeah. it becomes a lot stronger. So I, look, I, I think back to the times where I was in college and I just messaged a buddy a couple of days ago and we used to go to Key West for about 10 days a year. And my grandmother had a, a house there and his dad had a boat and we drag his dad's boat from uh, Fort Lauderdale down to Key West and we go stay at my grandmother's house. We go fishing for 10 days straight. And all we did was fish. We came home and we slept and it was so much fun. It was relaxing. I didn't have a problem in the world. And I sent him a message the other day and said, hey, Rob, we need to go fishing again down to Key West. You, you got a boat. Uh, my dad's got a house down there now. When are we going? Let's just take a trip because, the, and yeah. I feel like, so I, as an entrepreneur, I go, go, go. I don't like, sometimes I'm, I'm awake at a random time in the morning and my brain turns on and I just have to get up and so I, I don't necessarily like sleep phenomenally, you know, eight, 10 hours. Um, I'm, and when I'm, there's always something in my head, there's always some problem rolling around in my head. Right. So, uh, I, I just the other day I was telling somebody when I'm taking a shower, sometimes I forget whether I wash my hair or not, because that's the time where I have no other like things that are going on and I'm thinking about something and I just kind of snap out of it after a few minutes and go, yeah. Did, I don't even know if I like washed my hair. Did <laughs> where, where, how did I get here? And I think that's what the entrepreneurial brain is like. But when I go to Disney World, is a great example. I can just turn everything yeah. off. It's like my <laughs> fortress of solitude. I am in my happy place, and I sleep for like twelve hours. I can sleep for twelve hours, or I can take a nap. I can sit by the pool and do nothing. I can totally relax, and yeah. it's just that's just my thing. So that's, that's I think my, camping, it's like. I like, you can't find me. I'm in the middle of a state park somewhere. I have zero cell reception. I just ate 15 s'mores with peanut butter on them. I mean, that's <laughs> it. I think everybody just needs to find, like, find that. Like, what do you have? And be able to intentionally go about, like, shutting it off for a little bit. Yeah. Because it, that's, the, that's one of the harder things, right? We're constantly solving problems. And, and it gets more and more severe and extreme in who we are. And our personalities go to that level. And I feel like that's where I, this is the journey that I've been on. But I love it. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't trade it either. So some people that, I think that's the, that's what you're signing up for here. Oh my if, gosh. If and it's so fun. Like, like that 75% of the time, man, there have been like three times this week where I had other things that I knew I should do, but a problem presented itself. And I was like, 
9,000% into that thing. Like, yes, I'm going to do this right now. I shouldn't be, but I'm going to because it's fun. It's so much fun. So if you feel that way and you're listening, you are probably an entrepreneur. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and it's okay. You're not alone. That's the other part of this is a lot of times we feel very lonely in what we do as entrepreneurs too. And even the people I, I, on the cruise, I asked the high level mastermind group, the altitude members, I said, actually, I think everybody was there, the runway and the altitude members. And I said, who here feels like when you're not here that you're alone, you're kind of like on your own island doing your, even though they are part of our mastermind group, right? Like yeah. who feels alone and, and isolated? A lot of people raise their hand. And I said, who feels alone and isolated here? Like on this cruise right now that you don't have the support that you need. Yep. And nobody raised their hand. And then I said, well, why, why do you feel that way? Like you need to do something about that. When you go back home, you leave here, you have this community, you have the Facebook group, you have the accountability groups that we do, you have the uh, podcast to listen to, you have all of these things that you shouldn't feel alone. But what we do is we, we do that to ourselves. We put ourselves in our own little bubble, you know? <laughs> and if you're listening to this, you, you probably don't even have the meetings to go to. You don't have those times where you don't feel alone. So it's, I equate the mastermind events to like summer camp for entrepreneurs. <laughs> All my friends are like, why are you, you have this work trip coming up? Like, why are you so excited? I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I get to see my friends. I get to see other people that I can, that are just like me. They have the same problems as me. They, they don't think, think like I'm me. crazy. They can relate to me. So that's, that's the, that's what we need. Like it's, it's an entrepreneurial support group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh, Entrepreneurials Anonymous, EA. We should start that. I'm trademarking EA if this doesn't, doesn't exist. Entrepreneurials Entrepreneurial Anonymous. You can't trademark it if you can't say it. I can write um, it. You know, and we talk about this, this problem solving thing in the mastermind because we run these small group accountability sessions. Um, there's just a lot of things like to that isolation, right? It's nice to know you're not alone when you're driven and a risk taker and a problem solver and most people around you aren't right. So we, the, the small group accountability sessions are really focused on honing that problem solving skill, like taking a, a look at your business, a critical look at where your business is at today and saying, what's the one problem that really needs to be solved right now? And how can I consistently implement something around it? Like you said, so this problem doesn't come back again. Like what's this, what's the thing that needs to be figured out over the next eight to 12 weeks? Um, and, and that's why I came aboard to work with Seven Figure Flipping because you said, you can run these accountability sessions all the time. And I was like, yes, <laughs> we can solve so many problems. I mean, right now we have like a hundred and, hundred and some people going through them. Like that's a hundred and some problems that are getting solved over an eight week period. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. So Becca is not only like the biggest problem solver that I know in her own world, but she also <laughs> likes to help other people solve all of their problems. So obviously the right choice for this one, um, they put on, and like, I think every day. So my question to you, if you're listening is uh, like, are you solving the biggest problems that you have? Like, are you working on those problems? Do you like solving problems? Is this something that you enjoy doing? Or do you absolutely hate problems? When problems come up, you're like, I'm going to run over here and do something like watch TV or, or sit on the couch or, or mow my grass or go play golf or go fishing or do whatever. Yeah. Like, it, do you run away from the problems or do you run into the problems? Uh, Mike Tyson has an awesome quote. Um, uh, what is, um, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So uh, it, and I remember Andy telling me that when we just came in the group, it was like my, my second meeting, I think he threw that quote out there and I was like, I never heard that one, but you're right because we constantly get hit. We constantly get mm -hmm. knocked down. And honestly, I, I hate saying it, but selfishly, like, I like that. I like it when that <laughs> happens. So 
Um, we've had people- To be fair, you don't like to get punched in the face. It makes you no. very angry. <laughs> no, I don't like to get punched in the face, but I like, I, you know, it's, nobody, nobody likes to have these, these issues pop up or these like big problems or, or deals fall apart or things like that. Yeah. But, but honestly, if you're a true entrepreneur, like when that stuff happens, you're the first one to suit up. Like if you're the first one to run in to the fire, the house that's on fire, like that's it. Like you are just, what problem can I solve? And as, as nervous as I got for all those aircraft commander boards, so we do like these mock ones uh, over and over and over again, the whole time you're on deployment, your first deployment as a, a H2P, it's called a, a second pilot in a helicopter. You're, you're getting like beat up on a regular basis. They're constantly asking you questions and doing scenarios and all of these things and you're training and learning. And I, I really just devoured that stuff. I loved it. I was like, it's just making me better. So I know when I sit on my real board, I'm going to knock it out of the park. And some people were like, ah, I don't want to do another scenario or I don't want to do a practice board. Or I, like, of course I got nervous and things like that. And the same in business. I, when this stuff comes up, I'm like, sure. oh man, or this the change in the economy or shift or something changes. I, I, of course we get as, we get as nervous as everybody else. But mm-hmm. I like, this is the time that I shine. This is the time yeah. that I really, like, I want, the, we talked about it in, in one of the other podcasts is like, do you want the ball at the last second? Like I, that you're like the Michael Jordan always wanted the ball. Right. And that's the same thing here. Like we're, we're all of these things. So I think towards the end of this podcast, we're like lumping all of these things together and you'll hear these six traits, visionary, passionate, problem solving, driven, risk-taking and uh, responsible and like ownership responsible being like, I take responsibility. And I think you can hear all six in Becca, even just in this podcast, right? We talked, we touched on a lot of all of them, um, but that problem-solving trait is really like a really, really big part of all of this. And I, I, obviously, every single one of these that I do, it seems like the trait that we're talking about is the most important trait. But it's just it just leads me to the conclusion that all of them are important. Like you really yeah. have them all. And sometimes I think people, especially developing entrepreneurs, they may not recognize until you sit down and think about it. Like I hope that they're listening to this whole series and really reflecting on their lives about when they've exemplified those traits. Cause there's, they are intertwined. I don't, I don't think you can pull them apart, but they're all important. Yep. So you do, you run the accountability group inside the group, which is awesome. And you're also, you also do another series with our members that we put out. Um, mm. And I, I'm shocked that you're able to do that because you specifically say in there, like, I just want to talk about your problems. I'm not going to solve them here. We're not going to solve the problem on this. And I, I have that it, written down on a sticky note. Do not solve their problems. I, I believe it because I'm, while I'm watching that, I'm like, oh man, we could solve this right now. Like, but mm-hmm. it's just like, you just check in with them. What do you call that series? Ground control. Ground control. Yeah. For some reason, there's another name in my head that, uh, <laughs> that you wanted to call. Oh, yeah. Them. You wouldn't let me call them that. <laughs> yeah. So ground control. So um, it's an awesome series that you're doing and just basically talking to the members at different stages in what they're doing to, yeah. to figure out how they're solving their problems and what's going on in their world and watch their evolution over time, which is really incredible. So there's some awesome stuff that you're doing. Obviously, I think problem solving is a big, a big part of everything that we do. And the bigger the problems that we solve, the more, uh, the more impact that we can make, the more lives will change, the more money we can make, all of those things. I think it's just it comes with that kind of significance a little bit mm-hmm. of feeling important. Like, how, can, I, can I fix that? For me, with my wife, I feel like I just want to be needed, right? And mm-hmm. if I can help you solve the problem, I'm always going to give my input. You really have to preface it with, please don't solve this problem. I just want to mm-hmm. tell you what's going on in my world and I I'll, I'll fix it myself. So I'm, I'm learning. 
I'm like a, I'm still a baby when it comes to that stuff. I'm really trying to figure it out and learn how to. And so one of my sisters is like that. She's like, I just need to vent. I just need to to let this out. Like, please don't try and solve this problem. And I'm like, mm, okay. I can do it if you tell me that. Like, give me that uh, the prep. So, are you solving the biggest problem for the day? So it's funny because I've been sitting here the whole time, and I was like trying not to talk about what's on my board, but. Uh, with everything that's going on today is March 20th. I feel like I solved the biggest problem that I could possibly have today is do I have enough rolls of toilet paper in my house right now? And I did it on a Facebook live. I solved my problems right there in the office. I'm in my office for the first time on my whiteboard and I got the problem solved right there. So we're good. And you feel better now, right? You mentally walked through the whole problem and you were like, I feel good. I can put it to bed. That's how I feel. Casa de... Casa de Allen has enough toilet paper for the next 150 days at least without resupplying. So we're good. Go back and watch Bill's Facebook Live to see all of his math. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was just me being silly. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff I like doing, solving problems. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Becca. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks for talking about your uh, kind of problem solving journey and all the things that you do. Um, we're, we're, incredibly grateful to have you inside of this community. Um, it's, uh, it's just an unbelievable difference having you come on board this past few months. And I know that everybody out there, if they're in the mastermind group or they're listening to the podcast, like you do so much for this community and this podcast, basically Becca helps me uh, set up the podcast, uh, put together these series, reach out to people, all the stuff, the production back end. The, the one thing that we didn't really talk about is like, how do you ultimately solve that problem? And it's with systems and process and procedures and all that stuff. And that's really what she brought and has put in place here to solve the problem for good not let it rear its ugly head again. So um, it's amazing what you're doing. We're so thankful to have you. I know that I am um, and everybody listening is, and it comes to Flip Hacking Live and hears you speak from stage, listens to the podcast, uh, comes to the events, like you're a change in this community. Yeah, at Flip Hacking Live, we'll talk about solving your entrepreneurial problem with accountability. (laughs) If you come there in October, so October 15th, 16th, and 17th in Orlando, and Becca stands next to you or sits with you at, at, at lunch or dinner. No, no, don't scare them. <laughs> uh, she, she, will, she will help you solve your problems and she will listen. It's amazing to see. Um, it's like, like a full-on business therapist. It's fantastic. <laughs> I do. All right. And uh, we'll just throw it in there. You can go to fliphackinglive.com and grab a ticket. It's uh, hands yeah. down the best real estate event in the world. And um, I, I, Well, uh, it's going to be epic. I, yeah. So much fun. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's in Orlando this year. I'm uh, queued up to go to Disney right afterwards. We're planning it right now. I actually had my first call with the event planner yesterday. So uh, really excited about starting that journey and putting together the platform and, and who's going to speak and what we're going to talk about and all the structure of the event. And, oh, it's, it's so exciting. I'm so pumped about it. So um, cool. footpackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th in Orlando, Florida. And Becca, thank you so much. You're awesome. Um, we will see you soon on the podcast again, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. If you're ready to learn the house flipping and wholesaling strategies that are working right now in today's market, check out sevenfigureflipping.com.